0: The following is a presentation of the Belly Sports Media Network.
1: Here's what's cooking on an all-new Sports Stove podcast. We're going to look at a NFL mock draft and uh, kind of walk through the NFL draft stuff. We'll talk about college basketball, the tournament, and uh, coaching changes. And we'll talk about World Baseball Classic and how it affects the MLB season. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince
0: Stover. Hey, good looking, what you got cooking? i about cooking something up. Okay.
1: Welcome in to an all new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. They're dropping new flavors. It seems like every day I go to RighteousFelon.com. Use the promo code belly up. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. And so make sure you head over to RighteousFelon.com and try out some jerky today. I'm your host, Vince Stover. I'm joined by my dad, Dale Stover, on this fine Wednesday evening. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, boy. Busy sports
0: time. A lot of fun stuff to keep up with going on now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, every bracket is completely busted, so that's no fun anymore. Uh, But uh, outside of that crazy college basketball games, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, And then, of course... Um, NFL draft continues to climb closer and closer and major league baseball, or at least the world baseball classic had a lot of fun things going on for baseball fans this week as well. And so plenty of things to talk about. And I want to start with, uh, let's start with major league baseball dad and the world baseball classic. Uh, I got to watch uh, some of the USA games and, uh, kind of just follow and keep up with what was going on. Uh, there and the final game came down to Shohei Atani versus Mike Trout, and Mike Trout ended up striking out. And so, Japan takes the World Baseball Classic. And, Dad, I gotta tell you, I've not paid attention to the World Baseball Classic in the past. Um, and uh, this year I did, and uh, I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was a lot of fun. It was great to see Mike Trout and how much he enjoyed playing in it as well. And Trey Turner had so huge at bats and and different things going through so uh, let's start with just in general did you pay attention to the world baseball classic at all
0: I I did keep up with who was winning and got reports on it. I did not watch any of it, Um, but I did kind of keep up what was going on. And especially when I found out that all the, uh, the United States, a lot of the big name players were playing for them. And of course, and a lot of major league players are probably on all the other teams or at least on quite a few of them. Um, So, yeah, I definitely, when I, when I realized that, you know, that, that piqued my interest and, um, you know, well, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it, but I think it was very good for baseball to kick off the season.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Of course, you know, there was a lot of backlash when Edwin Diaz got injured. And, you know, the thought was, oh, some people were saying, well, you shouldn't let Major League Baseball players play in this because there's injuries and all this kind of stuff. But um, and then Jose Altuve broke his thumb. He's going to be out for at least two months as well. But at the end of the day, it was a lot of fun. And to hear Mike Trout talk about it, you know, he said, I'm already in for the next time, and I'm going to go recruit everybody I can possibly recruit to come and play. Um, He was—he just absolutely loved his time there. He had turned it down, the previous World Baseball Classic, but did go this year and absolutely loved it. So to me, I thought it was good to see players having a good time. In spring training, you don't see competitive baseball, And in this, you saw competitive baseball and you saw um, just guys having a good time for all the teams. I mean, Mexico, I kept up with Mexico a bit because there were some brewers on there with Luis Reyes and uh, uh, Rowdy Telez, And then, of course, following USA as well. And then Venezuela and uh, they had some fun things. Puerto Rico or excuse me, Dominican Republic had some fun things going on. Uh, Great Britain had ugly jerseys. Um, there's there's a lot of different things. And Japan was phenomenal, especially their pitching was lights out as well. So it was just fun having such competitive baseball that I think you're right. I think it's going to kick off the Major League Baseball season uh, with a bang because of just the excitement around baseball right now as a whole. Is that the way that you see it?
0: Yes. Uh, well, I'm sure it'll really help The major league, as far as internationally is concerned, I think it'll bring a lot more attention there. But I think in this country, people will be more excited now uh, to see some of these players on their teams, on the major league teams. um, And, you know, how everything goes there, because like I said, usually there's not much excitement around the spring training Um, and that, I mean, if you live in the spring training sites or go to visit, I guess there is, but as a whole, you know, you don't keep up with it a lot. It doesn't matter a lot. A lot of the good players don't, you know, play all the time. Um, but now I think, you know, getting ready for the season, um, you know, this got everybody in, you know, more excited about baseball. I think the first, especially the first couple of weeks will kick off with a lot more interest, um, than there's been in the past.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you watch. Of course, Shohei is Shohei I mean, He proved himself to be one of the best baseball players probably ever. Um, Mike Trout had a great time, uh, great, um, you know, he played great this week as well or this, throughout this tournament. Uh, Trey Turner had some big moments. But Randy Rosarena um, playing for uh, Mexico, he just, he had some, some great plays. His personality was in full form, and that's something Major League Baseball has to do better at is showing the personalities within the game. And uh, Rosa Reina was able to do that and had a great time. Huge, you know, robbed a home run, uh, had a lot. I think he had 6 putouts in one game uh, from left field, which is incredibly rare for an outfielder. So there's a lot of uh, um, exciting things, and, and I do think it carries over. What about for the players' aspect of it? Do you think that this is going to help the players that played in the World Baseball Classic? Are they warm? And so are they going to come out hot to start the season? Or do you think that they might have a little bit of a um, letdown going into the season where maybe they struggle early in the season uh, before finding their rhythm again?
0: Uh, We'll see. I think this would help. I think playing competitive baseball and, um, you know, they were in form rather than spring training where maybe some of these guys didn't play a whole lot and were kind of easing their way into it. Um, I think it'll help. I don't think anybody will be worn out. You know, there were some things about the injuries, but you know, there's kind of two major injuries, and the one was really a fluke. You know, as far as the celebration, it, it's really a shame for Diaz, but there. And the thing with Altuve could have happened in spring training, sure. so I don't, you know, know that there was too much, you know, really to worry about there. Um, I, I think these players will be ready to go and it may even help
1: energize their teams when they come
0: back being ready to
1: play baseball. Um, when you think of players getting injured, celebrating, who's the first person that comes to mind?
0: Uh, I should know what you're talking about, but.
1: seen grammatica. Yes. <laughs> Jumping up and down and breaking his leg, I think, or something weird like that back in the day. Um, uh, I didn't give you a heads up on that one. I thought I thought you'd remember Martin Gramatica doing it, but uh, yeah. nonetheless, uh, <laughs> that, that, yeah, freak accident's going to happen wherever it could happen walking down the road. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, I don't think, I, don't, I think it makes sense. I think it makes more sense to play in the World Baseball Classic than it does to play in spring trainings. <laughs> so you actually get yourself going more and things like that. Of course, uh, rosters will be, we'll have the final cutdowns here. This week, uh, opening day rosters are already having opening day pitchers are supposed to be announced by Friday. Um, and then opening day will be the following Thursday. So a lot going on. Uh, I'll be hosting a baseball super show, getting the season previewed for Belly Up Sports. That'll be uh, on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on the Belly Up YouTube channel. And uh, so encourage people to tune in. We're going to have different guys on previewing each each division talking about their teams and things like that as well. So encourage people to tune into that. And we'll continue, of course, great baseball coverage all year long, every Sunday night uh, for the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show. We don't just talk fantasy. We talk baseball news as well. Uh, So I encourage you to tune into that every Sunday night, 8 p.m. on the Sports Stove YouTube channel or the Belly Up Fantasy Facebook page. And then it always comes out, the audio version in the podcast as well. So uh, make sure you catch those also. All right, Dad, let's transition to some football before we get to the college basketball stuff. Um, last week, I came out with the uh, my latest sports stove NFL mock draft. This is the first one I did this year with all uh, the first round picks in it. I had done two previously uh, looking at just the top 10 picks, and uh, but now I've got all, all 32. I included trades. This is what I am predicting will happen. Um, not necessarily what I would do, but what I think is going to happen. And, uh, and thankfully I, after I did this one, um, there were no big trades um, because <laughs> when I did my last top 10 one is when Carolina and Chicago made the trade. So, um, nonetheless, uh, I kind of just want to run through these, get some thoughts on it. Uh, we'll hit the top 10 and then, and then some highlights after that at the top of the draft, you know, is Carolina. They made that trade up. They're going up to get somebody. And I've given C.J. Stroud, you know, everybody's, the professionals are all saying, well, the height is a big deal for Carolina. Carolina's come out and said it's not. Um, actually, some things I heard this week started to make me think maybe Bryce Young does go number one to Carolina. But at the end of the day, uh, for this one, I'm going C.J. Stroud, continuing to prepare for my final mock draft and uh, and then we'll figure it out from there when before we have our last one. So, uh, C.J. Stroud 1, Bryce Young 2, in some order, that's the way they're going. Um, The question is, is who does go 1? Uh, but like I said, I think C.J. Stroud, and I talked about this at the end of the college football season, Dad, C.J. Stroud seems to make sense to be number 1 overall. He's got size, he's got athleticism, he's got talent, and uh, the way he played against Georgia, one of the top defenses in college football, shows you that he can play against pro-level skills. So, um, I think CJ Stroud makes sense at one. I think Bryce Young is still the better player but um I don't know I just the way I'm, I'm leaning right now is CJ Stroud at one with Bryce young at two. what are your thoughts on these two guys? um
0: No I mean from what I, you know you heard a lot in the last few days and a lot today it sounds like CJ Stroud uh if Carolina keeps that pick I, I think that's probably where that will go um and I would assume Bryce Young would be the second one then. Um, to Houston. And I think they'll both turn out well. Again, you know, you hear a lot of people, um, you know, we talk a little bit off air, you know, I, I heard Chris Sims, which again, you know, pick, picked, picked, um, you know, um, Zach Wilson ahead of, ahead of um, Trevor Lawrence and that, that didn't work out. So whatever, but you know, his take was a CJ, Stroud was head and shoulders above everyone there. And he had Harlan hooker as number three, very close to number two. So you know, there's going to yeah. be a lot. You're going to hear a lot of things as we get closer. A lot of it will depend on, you know, if there are trades, but I think there's probably going to be some good quarterbacks taken maybe later in the first round or in the second, or maybe in the third that, um you know, may pan out because there are some there, no doubt
1: about it. Well, so a couple things on that. First of all, I think Hendon Hooker is going to be a great pickup, whoever gets them. Um, The question is going to be opportunity for the guys that get picked later. For instance, Sam Howell, who's currently scheduled to start for the Washington Commanders. I mean, two years ago, he was going to be a number one overall pick. Then he ends up going in the sixth round. Now, is he going to get his opportunity? He just might. Matt Corral is a guy we've talked about, you've talked about that Carolina right now. Is he ever going to get a chance? Like, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. If you don't get drafted in the first or second round, your opportunity may not come just because of the fact that the guy in front of you was drafted ahead of you. We've seen very rare occasions. We've seen it a couple times in somewhat recent history. We saw it with um, Washington. Robert Griffin III was drafted, and Kirk Cousins was drafted later on in the same draft. And eventually, due to injury, Kirk Cousins got a chance and stole that job from Robert Griffin III. We also saw it in Seattle when Matt Flynn signed the big deal with Seattle and Russell Wilson got drafted. Uh, what, third round, I think, if I remember right, and, and Russell Wilson won that job. But most people, if you're not drafted in the first or second round, you have to almost have luck on your side to just get an opportunity and to show what you have. So it'll be interesting to see those guys that get drafted later. Do they even get the opportunity to show what they can do? Um, that is obviously the big question. Um, I went with number three, Arizona went with Will Anderson. I think that's the lock. That's the easiest one there is. He's going to be the first non quarterback taken in this draft. Uh, so even if Arizona trades down, um, whoever gets the first pick, that's not a quarterback. It's going to be Will Anderson Jr. From Alabama. Um, Indianapolis at four dad. I also wrote an article last week about the Colts and the opportunities they have now. Cause they signed Gardner Minshew. Um, he's not the long-term answer in Indianapolis, but. It gives them a chance to be patient. And so I selected Anthony Richardson at four, thinking that Gardner Minshew can start this year. That gives time for Anthony Richardson to learn and to grow and to develop, and then maybe even use him in some packages in year one, but ultimately have him as a long-term answer in Indianapolis. Otherwise, Will Levis would make more sense just because he's more NFL ready, um, at least in most people's eyes. I'm not big on Will Levis um and uh, and I've got him dropping in every mock draft I've done just because I don't think that uh I don't know I don't think that he has that that uh luster that he could have had had he come out last year but anyways I go Anthony Richardson at 4 and this is a guy that I don't understand because he was horrible this year I mean he is athletic um but he didn't win games and he wasn't great either so uh, I don't know. Do you look at Anthony Richardson as as all these people are saying he's got the greatest upside in this draft, or do you look at him as a massive question mark?
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I mean, when I hear Anthony Richardson is going to be one of the top quarterbacks, I just scratch my head. I don't I don't see this at all. Now I know you know people, and he did wow people at the combine. But the things that he wowed people at the combine about does not necessarily make you a pro, a pro quarterback sure. and be able to read defenses and do things like that. I, I, he might be a guy that can be developed, but to me, if he's taken early in the first round, that that's a reach. Now, maybe people know more, you know, obviously than I do about that, but I I'm, I'm, I'm just, I mean, you know, the fact that he did well at the combine, maybe he's not too surprising physically, but I, the fact that he's one, he's in a conversation in the top three quarterbacks, I, that, that one, that, that, that's puzzling to me, and I think you might be, you know, wasting a pick on that. Now, again, somebody might get him at the end of the first round, and it ended end up being a real steal, but um, it seems to me like it'd make more sense to go in the bottom of half of the first
1: round than it would be early. I mean, the way they're talking about this kid is he's Cam Newton at worst, um, which you take the first three years of Cam Newton, you'd be happy with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and then at, at best, maybe he's Josh Allen, um, something to that degree. I look at it at Indianapolis though, dad, their new coach comes from, from Philadelphia, uh, which is running an offense with Jalen hurts, which might fit very well. Anthony Richardson's athletic abilities. And he said, he has a cannon of an arm. He can throw the ball deep. The accuracy, you know, is he's college accuracy was okay. Uh, but. Um, maybe as with all quarterbacks, you've got to be in the right system and have the right coach. And maybe Indianapolis is that place for Anthony Richardson, especially if he's not asked to do anything in year one or very little in year one to give him some time, give the coaches time to work with them. Maybe it works out. We'll see. Uh, and you know, I don't know. A lot of people think that somebody will trade up to number three to draft him to try to jump ahead of Indianapolis um i just i don't know i'm interested to see how it shakes out i don't think there's a whole lot of competition for the third quarterback honestly everybody says vegas needs a quarterback you know what vegas their coaches need to keep their job they need a quarterback that's going to work for them they went out and signed jimmy garoppolo they may not draft a quarterback this year because they're trying to win games this year and i don't think anthony richardson or will levis will do that for las vegas uh, so I don't think they trade up. I don't think Seattle needs to go up for a quarterback. I think these teams after Indianapolis are going to wait for next year and the year after big draft classes coming in with quarterbacks. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of rush for quarterback after you get past Indianapolis. Um, I got Seattle taking Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Uh, this is a, would be a great spot for Jalen Carter, who's had some legal issues. And even more on top of that, he's had issues with, you know, questions about his motor and things like that. Well, um, Seattle makes sense for him because Pete Carroll, well, he doesn't care as much about some character things as other coaches do. But I think Tyree Wilson goes here, the defensive end from Texas Tech. Detroit's up at six. I gave him Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback. I really think, and I put this in the article, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa is a player to watch for at number six. He fits Dan Campbell. Like he's got that mindset mindset that Dan Campbell loves, so I could see him going there. Detroit signed some cornerbacks here in free agency, so they may not draft a cornerback, but if you can have the top cornerback at number six, it seems like a decent pick and a value pick there as well. Um, Dad, Seattle at five, Detroit at six. Either of these guys you think go for quarterback? Um,
0: I think Seattle could, but again, I don't know that the quarterback's there are that they need, so I think I could see them waiting till later. And, um, you know, getting the best player available, I definitely wouldn't think Detroit would take a quarterback there.
1: You, I mean, Detroit's a sleeper when it comes to quarterback. Obviously, Jared Goff, I don't think they should take a quarterback. Um, I don't think Jared Goff's the answer necessarily, but you can do worse than him, and you need to build that team before you get your quarterback of the future. So I think you stick with Jared Goff and continue to build that team because they're doing the right things uh, in Detroit. Vegas at seven, Dad. A lot of people have Vegas going quarterback in the first round. I gave him outside linebacker Nolan Smith out of Georgia. You talk about a riser up the boards uh, with with the uh, the combine and things like that. Nolan Smith is an athletic freak. You know the Raiders love speed, and Nolan Smith's got it, and he's got it from a edge rusher outside linebacker position as well. Um, and like I said before, the Raiders coaching staff does not have the luxury of drafting and waiting. They've got to win. And uh, I think Nolan Smith would give them more impact in year one than a Will Levis would at number seven. So that's why I went with Nolan Smith uh, there with the Raiders. I know you have zero respect for the coaching staff in Vegas, but what are your thoughts on the Raiders?
0: No, there, there no doubt about that. Zero respect there. I mean, I, I think... Um, you know they're going to have to have quite a good year, or I don't know if the coach would even make it through the year. So we'll see how that goes there. But yeah, I don't think drafting a quarterback would make a lot of sense there, not with where, where they got Garoppolo right. And so I yes. think that would, I think that'd be where, where they're headed there. So
1: uh, at eight and nine, you got the Falcons and the Bears, and I went offensive lineman for both of them. Both of them need to build the offensive line. Uh, Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern to Atlanta. And the Bears with Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Um, the, you know these both of these teams could go a number of directions. Atlanta could always use another target, another weapon. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I like building that offensive line. I think the Bears, same thing. The Bears have done a lot to address a lot of positions in this offseason, but the O line and the D line still need a lot of attention. So I think if you can get the second offensive lineman off the board, you do that and Let's face it, people value offensive linemen far higher than they did a decade ago. Um, and then at 10, I went with Jalen Carter to Philadelphia. And again, I think Jalen Carter fits in Philadelphia perfectly. They have the veteran defensive line. They could bring this kid in, they could mentor him. He obviously has made some mental errors. Um, you know, I don't, again, he hasn't done drastic, horrible legal things, uh, but he has made a lot of mental, immature um, mistakes. And then, like I said, during his pro day, Dan, he couldn't even finish his pro day things because he was too exhausted. And he didn't do the 40. He didn't do the weightlifting. All he was doing was the defensive lineman drills. And and he was he was too exhausted. So that scares me a lot. He's supposed to have this incredible talent. My question is, does he have the mindset to be a professional? And if he does, or if he's on that, that fence, well, Philadelphia is the right spot for him. He could go as high as five. And I think 10, he could go as low as 15, but I think 10 is the right spot for him. Uh, any thoughts on my offensive lineman picks or Jalen Carter at 10? Um, no, I,
0: I think now at Atlanta, I don't know that they couldn't be an outside look at a quarterback, but sure. pro- probably not from there. Skoronsky, you know, is very interesting to me because he. He's a he's a relative of a guy who played on the Lombardi Packers so played offensive line. So that's that's interesting. But um, you know the kid from Ohio State's really good. Um, Jalen Carter will be interesting because he with his problems he could drop, yeah. and he's one of those players if you you know if he does drop somebody could, you know, either inherit a problem or they could, you know, if this kid will turn around, yeah. you know, I've seen people that have gone later in much later in the draft than you thought they were going to, and man, they turned out to be hall of famers.
1: And, you know,
0: it's always tricky with a guy like Jalen Carter, you know, do you let him go or do you take a chance with him? Because you know, the raw ability is there. You know, the potential is there. I'm sure teams are really, really doing their homework with him, but for him to go to his pro day and be out of shape and overweight like he was that, that he's not getting good advice there either. So,
1: yeah, I mean, Randy Moss is probably the best example of that, right? Everybody knew how good he was. Just guys were scared of him. So he fell down to Minnesota and Minnesota got a hall of famer out of it. Um, And now again, Jalen Carter's issues are different than Randy Moss's issues. But, um, cause again, I, I, I think we see, well, he got arrested, so he must be this horrible kid. He got arrested for drag racing for, for driving, you know, recklessly. That's, it's not the same thing as, as drugs and gun stuff and those kinds of things. So, um, I, we got to understand that. But again, he comes into the pro day overweight, uh, heavier than he was before, And not in shape. That's a big time red flag. And I'm guessing that scares more people than anything. Um, So I'm interested to see how that one shakes out. Uh, I got Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness going to the Titans at 11. And then I've got Washington trading up uh, just a couple spots with uh, Houston uh, from 16 to 12 to take Will Levis at quarterback. Um, Again, I'm not a Will Levis guy. I don't think Will Levis is going to have a great career in the NFL, Um, I put him in that Ryan Tannehill category where he's going to be a pro, but he's not going to be this great, great pro. Um, but Washington's a team that has Sam Howell and nobody else really. So, um, I could see them making a move to get Will Levis. I could see Tennessee possibly selecting Will Levis, but again, same thing with Atlanta. Why would you take Will Levis when you just took a quarterback last year? Why not – do you not trust your development? Do you not trust your coaches? I mean, uh, Atlanta's got Desmond Ritter. I mean, he, is he not a guy that you think you can do something with? Uh, Tennessee got um, uh, the kid from Liberty. Now Malik his name Malik Willis. Malik Willis. Do you not have any faith that he can do anything for you? So why – take? I guess to me, if he's not the top quarterback, if he's not C.J. Stroud, and he's not Bryce Young – My thing is, is just wait. (laughs) There's better quarterbacks coming next year than Will Levis. So take your chances with Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. Take your chances with Desmond Ritter. And if it doesn't work out, then you get a better quarterback next year. So I know for coaches, that's hard uh, because you got to win now. But uh, the way I look at it, uh, I think Washington could be a team that goes up and gets Will Levis uh, there. Then the Packers, I gave them pick 13 uh, from the Jets, uh, assuming the Aaron Rodgers deal gets completed, and that pick's included. Um, uh, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, defensive back cornerback there. Um, And then the Patriots, I got them taking the first receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. And then the Packers, again, at 15, going Miles Murphy, a defensive end from Clemson. Uh, Dad, let's talk about the Packers real quick, because I'm following people who do Packer podcasts, who cover the Packers who are adamant the Packers are going to draft a wide receiver in round one. And I'm sitting here going, why? They have never done it, and they've had so much success with drafting second-round wide receivers. What in your right mind makes you think they're going to take a receiver this year? It does not fit what the Packers do. Could they do it? I suppose they could. But will they do it? I'd put my money on no. Uh, They will not. And traditionally, they're going to go defense. Uh, Last year, they went two defensive guys from Georgia. Maybe they go offensive line, but I don't see them going wide receiver. And I don't see them going tight end, which is what a lot of people want them to do at 15. Um, So I'm going to give them two defensive players here in the first round. Your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, Well, if they have these two picks, um, I'll be shocked if one of them is not a tight end. I mean, I think that's what they need. They, now, this has got a lot of tight ends in the draft, so they may can get one later. But I think they've got two or three pretty elite tight ends in this draft. And if they have two first round picks, I'll be very surprised if one of them, you know, isn't. Now, they may trade down and get more picks, and that would be different, uh, there. But I, I'll be shocked if they don't take a tight end if they get two now, defense. They need defensive line. They always need, you know, like I said, cornerback safeties. Um, So I would be surprised. I've heard the wide receiver thing, too, and I'm not sure I understand that. I'm not sure the right player is there um, unless there's somebody that just absolutely, you know, is what they're looking for. I wouldn't think that's the case. Um, New New, New England with a wide receiver is a little interesting just because they just got Juju Smith-Schuster. Of course, you never know what New England's going to do, but I mean, w- would they maybe not go somewhere to strengthen their defense or something since they have a wide receiver? They they picked him up, maybe take a wide receiver later on. I'm not sure they'd go wide receiver in the first round either.
1: I mean, Juju's a great number three wide receiver, but you still got to have a number one or number two. Uh, now, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek. I think Juju's a great number two wide receiver. He's not a number one guy. They've got a couple nice number two receivers. Um, But again, I I don't know. Again, you look at the relationship that Belichick has with Ohio State. Um, He also has a great relationship with Alabama. But um, those are the kind of things that I'm looking at here as well. I got the Texans going wide receiver at 16. This would be if they traded down with Washington, uh, getting Quentin Johnston from TCU, who a lot of people like as the number one receiver in this draft. Uh, The Steelers going Joey Porter Jr., Penn State cornerback, uh, and ties, of course, to the NFL. At 18, I've got the Chargers trading up with Detroit going Bajon Robinson, the running back. Austin Eckler uh, asking for a trade. They need a top-tier running back, and Bajon Richardson is the guy in this draft when it comes to running backs. Yes, you can get value later, but this guy is a guaranteed stud. Uh, coming in and he can do all the things that Eckler did and maybe more as a, especially as a running back versus a receiving back. Um, So I I figured if anybody's going to go up for Richardson, it makes sense that the Chargers would go up and get him. Um, Chargers, what are you thinking that they're going to do here in the first round? Um, that makes sense, you know, with them getting
0: um, a running back from there and maybe trading up to do it., um, you know, this would be a big year for the chargers, um I think, and their coaching staff. so um, we will see. But all those picks, um, you know, that that made pretty good sense at this point. So no doubt about it.
1: Um, Just some other highlights real quick, and we'll move on. I got Seattle taking Michael Meyer, the tight end from Notre Dame at twenty. Roderick Jones going to the Lions at 22. He's an offensive lineman from Georgia. I've seen some people put Roderick Jones in the top 10, even possibly being the first or second offensive lineman off the board. Um, we will see about that. Uh, Jordan Addison to, to Baltimore at 23, who needs wide receivers. Zay Flowers, who a lot of the guys love. Uh, wide receiver out of Boston College. Um, supposed to be an incredible talent. And I've got him going to Minnesota. That uh, Adam Thielen gets cut. And uh, and so that opens up some opportunity there in Minnesota for somebody like Zay Flowers. Uh, I love Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Uh, he's played tight end. Uh, he's played outside linebacker. He's played a couple of other positions, too. I've got him at 26 to the Giants. Um, outside of that, uh, let's see. Here. I got Bengals taking tight end, Dalton Kincaid at 29 out of Utah. And then I got Kansas City rounding out the top, t- the top uh, round, first round with Jalen Hyatt. The receiver from Tennessee, and I admit, um, I didn't know where to go with Kansas City. Well, really, that whole last four or five picks there—it's kind of, it's kind of a crapshoot. So I ended up going Jalen Hyatt there. Um, any of those final picks, either that I just talked about or otherwise listed, that catch your eye or or have a thought on?
0: No, I mean that last pick with Hyatt. I think he's going to be quite a wide receiver and got speed. I think that makes sense for Mahomes. Um, You know, again, they've they've been successful with doing um, with a lot of different wide receivers. And I think if a guy like that drops uh, to there, that would make a lot of sense. Um, And like I said, there's a lot of good defensive players. It seems like in this draft, again, I haven't really delved into it as much as I will, you know, in the next coming weeks. But, um, you know, it seems to be a fairly talented draft. And I think the first two rounds, you're going to get some good players for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like uh, to see where it all shakes out. And uh, I've the last two years, I've been on a draft show, a show up for a few picks and discuss. I'll do that again through belly up sports and we'll be on the belly up fan, uh, the belly up uh, YouTube page doing that live during the first round. I'll be there for picks 11 through 15 uh, this year. Uh, Looking forward to that. Any other uh, NFL draft things that are on that, that mock draft? No,
0: I think as we get closer to it, you know, there'll be a lot more, um, you know, this will be an, a draft's always a lot of fun and it's exciting. And I think this one, I think there could be a lot of movement again with the talent, a lot of trades up or down, uh, several teams. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think there are what, four teams that have two picks in the first round. So that always makes it interesting. And, um, so, um. Yeah, we'll see. And a lot of trading of draft picks been going on so over the second and third rounds. And, and, that, and that always provides a lot of ammunition to move around. So um, I think it'll be an exciting draft like it always is and a lot of good talent. It is funny when you look at the draft and you talk about an offensive lineman from Georgia, it's getting harder and harder, I think, for teams to pass up guys from Georgia. I mean, they have been successful now. there have been a little off-field stuff this year. As far as their system and their talent level, you know, they seem to be pretty NFL ready.
1: Yeah, I agree. And this is, uh, I think, the first year ever that we don't have every team or every pick being selected in the first round because Miami had their pick forfeited due to their uh, illegal tampering with Tom Brady a couple years ago. So so that'll be an, an added story to it as well. But I think you're right. It'll be a lot of movement. Um, There's been continued movement in the NFL this week. Uh, McCole Hardman signs with the New York Jets to join eventually Aaron Rodgers, which meant there was no room for Elijah Moore. He gets traded to the Browns, which brings back a second round pick. So it's Moore and a third round pick to Cleveland for a second round pick this year. Maybe that second round pick ends up going to Green Bay uh, here in the near future. We will wait and see. Uh, how it all shakes out, but more people on the move. And we'll continue to see uh, these free agent moves kind of trickle in here as we get closer to the draft um, as well. Uh, Any comments? There's really no news on Aaron Rodgers. Any comments on that or anything else in the NFL?
0: No, we're just, you know, we're waiting to see. I think the Packers are in a good position and, um, you know, they definitely need to get, get a good deal out of this for trading Rogers and um, I would think they will. So we'll
1: see. I agree. Uh, Today's program is presented by righteous felon jerky. If you want the purest jerky in the game, you got to go straight to the source and righteous felon has partnered with the best natural black Angus beef producers in the land to lock up supply and guarantee the best tasting, the best textured and the freshest beef jerky on the market. Visit RighteousFelon.com, use the promo code BELLYUP. You get 15% off your purchase, and I'll tell you, I sure enjoy my Righteous Felon jerky. Actually, I need to order some more because they got two new flavors that I want to try. So uh, one of them is a Korean barbecue flavor, and the other one's a teriyaki flavor. So I want to order those and give those a go as well. RighteousFelon.com, promo code BELLYUP. Up. All right, Dad, let's get to the NCAA tournament. And it was a wild first weekend in the NCAA tournament. Brackets busted everywhere. Uh, of course, uh, let's see here. Number one, Purdue, eliminated by fairly Dickinson. Number two, Arizona, was defeated uh, as well by Princeton, who is still in the tournament. Virginia gets beat by Furman. That was a big deal as well. Uh, and I feel like I'm forgetting one more big one, uh, but maybe not. Kansas. Well, Kansas got beat by Arkansas. That probably wasn't as as big of an upset as the 15 and the 16. Uh, but anyway, oh, Marquette. Marquette got beat this week as well. So uh, two number ones, three number ones are, no, two number ones are already out. A couple number twos are out as well. And so, Dad, we get into this weekend, the Sweet 16, um, Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton in one bracket. FAU still hanging around. Tennessee, Kansas State, and Michigan State in another bracket. Gonzaga, UCLA, Arkansas, Connecticut uh, and the bracket. And then the last one's Houston, Miami, Xavier, and Texas. Uh, which of these underdogs? So that would be Princeton is facing off against Creighton. Uh, I'll throw in FAU. They're a nine seed, uh, but against Tennessee. Um, and then well, I guess those are the, the main, the main big time underdogs. Do you think Princeton's going to keep moving on? I mean, Creighton, you know, they're not great. <laughs> so what's the chances Princeton wins? Um, no, I mean, I would think
0: Creighton will probably win that, but Princeton, I think these upsets have been great for the tournament. I think, you know, for years, there was always a lot of talk that maybe there'll be a 15 or a 16, you know, that wins, but I think I, I think it, it just it, it, you know it did hurt everybody's brackets, but I think I think it made to help make the NCAA tournament what it is, and I think um, you know several teams that are not usually there, are, you know FAU, uh, maybe even Creighton, you know different ones. I I, I think it's good um, for the tournament and has created some excitement, and um, you know I, I don't know the Princeton. Um, will win and keep going on they might you know it may be as your cinderella story um i hope tennessee wins but you know fau's had a good year too so um well we'll see from there
1: yeah um you know first of all it's fun having these upsets it's gonna make the rest of the tournament not as fun in my opinion um having these upsets i think that you'll become less evenly matched as we go along, which could make for less fun. But you still have good teams in. Um, you know, Alabama's the overall number one. Houston, the overall number two, both in. Xavier made a huge turnaround. They brought back Sean Miller, and he has turned the program right back to where it needs to be. They sit in the Sweet 16 against Texas. I think they beat Texas. Um, and actually, I had uh, I'm doing really well in that bracket, <laughs> the Midwest bracket, uh, I still have Houston, uh, Xavier, uh, and Texas in, I had those and I had Indiana over Miami, but that didn't happen. Um, but I, to me, I mean, it seems like we're on a crash course for Houston and, uh, and Alabama at this point, but, uh, I don't know. I guess the way I look at it is I think having the best teams is more fun than having the Cinderella's and. I think we're going to get to a point here where we go, okay, this isn't as fun as we thought it was <laughs> because it was a lot of fun last week. It may not be near as much fun this week because it may not be as close to games uh, this week as well. So let's start up at the top, Alabama, San Diego State. Um, I had Alabama losing uh, to Arizona uh, in the Elite Eight. Obviously, Arizona has gone, uh, but I think Alabama handles SDSU. How about you?
0: Um, yes, I think Alabama will, again, um, you know, when you talk about brackets being busted, mine was in some ways, but three of my final four are still in, uh, the oh, ones nice. that I predicted there. And I think, um, I have eight out of the 16 and four out of the eight, but three out of the, out of the uh, final four of mine are still in and Alabama's one of those. So, um, I hopefully they'll keep going.
1: Man, of the sweet 16, I have one, two, three, um, four, five, six, seven. I got seven of the 16, um, and my championship was is, is absolutely out. Uh, Purdue, I picked them to win, but I had Houston uh, in there as well. Final four, I only have one left, and that's Houston. I, my bracket is busted, big-time busted, but I don't care about that. I can handle having a busted bracket. Um, what I I just I still want good basketball, and I'm not sure we're going to get it with some of these games. What about Michigan State, Dad? Michigan State, Tom Izzo, um, <clears throat> I mean, he's an incredible coach, and uh, had a really interesting interview with Dan Patrick this week. Um, if you don't listen to Dan Patrick, it'd be worth going back and listening to that interview. He kind of talks about why all the good coaches are leaving um, and kind of how they're just tired with, with everything that's going on in college basketball. But uh, Tom is a great coach, especially when you get the March Madness. He faces off against Kansas State, um, who, who looks pretty good as they beat up on Kentucky this past week. Um, how do you feel about Izzo and Michigan State moving forward, or do you think Kansas State gets them?
0: Well, I, I think maybe I think Kansas State they've had a good year all year, so we'll see. I mean, I like the Big Ten, and I like Izzo, so I'd be all for Michigan State winning. I think that bracket. Is probably going to obviously have the lowest seeded team in the final four, potentially. I think there'll be good games, though. I think Tennessee and FAU, and I think Kansas State and Michigan State can all be very good football or very good basketball games there. Um, I kind of think Kansas State might come out of, of that one, but it could go either. Michigan State surprised me. They've come this far for sure.
1: Um, I don't like Arkansas. I don't like Musselman. I, I, I'm not a fan of that program, but I hate Kansas. And so Arkansas beating Kansas was a wonderful, wonderful thing for me. They face off against UConn. Um, to me, this is the least exciting matchup of the weekend, Arkansas versus UConn. Um, uh, which way do you look at in, in this matchup?
0: Um. I think, you know, I I think it would be, um, I don't know. I think Arkansas could keep going. They're playing really well right now. I'm not necessarily a big UConn fan, so I'd
1: probably be for
0: Arkansas. Uh,
1: I'd be cheering for UConn, but I think Arkansas definitely can win that game. Uh, Gonzaga and UCLA might be the funnest game of the weekend. Um, I believe in Gonzaga. I don't believe in UCLA. But that being said, UCLA's had a pretty good year. So uh, a two versus a three seed, UCLA and Saga, which which way do you lean in that one? Well, uh,
0: UCLA is one of the teams in my my final four, and actually I have them winning everything. So I'm going to keep going with them from there. I picked them to win it um, over Purdue, which that won't happen. But um, I definitely have UCLA in my final four, and I think UCLA will keep moving on. They've had a good year.
1: Yeah, they've they've done well the last two years. Uh, Texas and Xavier, I like the Xavier matchup here. Um, But uh, Texas, again, has played at times really good this season. But I like Xavier. I'd like to see Xavier and Houston in the next round. Um, How do you think the rest of that bracket plays out? Xavier, Texas, and then Houston, Miami.
0: Again, Xavier was a team I put in the final four. That was kind of my surprise team coming all the way through. So definitely... They have played well, and I I think they can, you know, um, they may have a tough time with Texas. I think they might have a better shot with Houston, to be right honest. But um, Texas is a very good team. But um, Xavier, very athletic, very talented, and uh, hopefully they'll make a, you know, they'll make a run, and it'd be great to have them in the Final Four.
1: Uh, I'm looking real quick to see... Uh, If my memory serves me right, uh, I think Xavier's matchup with Texas is going to lean Xavier's way. Now, ESPN's predicting 70% chance Texas wins this game, um, which makes me more confident that Xavier wins the game. Uh, but I guess overall about the same. Xavier scores about four more points a game, but Texas' uh, his defense has had a better year, seven points a game better um defense is very similar as well uh field goal percentage slightly higher for Xavier rebound slightly higher for Xavier so it could be a decent matchup I I like Sean Miller better than I like Texas um but then Houston dad I you have zero respect for Houston and I don't know why that is uh I mean Kelvin Sampson has had a long career and has proven himself to be a decent coach um, and then Miami is really nothing to write home about. Um, Houston's been number one throughout the season, thirty-three and three on the season. Um, you seem to think that they're kind of uh, overhyped this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, I I knew they've done well all year. I hadn't seen them much until really their conference tournament, and they lost in the finals to that. Correct, and so I just yeah. didn't feel like they were they were heading into the tournament in the right direction. But maybe they will be, and maybe they'll be in the Final Four. Uh, that won't surprise a lot of people. But uh, I think I think Xavier is going to be tough, no doubt about it. And um, so we'll see.
1: Uh, they lost in their championship game. It was their first loss since January 22nd. So they, they don't lose games very often, Houston doesn't. And uh, I know you, you did. We talked about that already, so we won't hash back into that. But uh, you, you put a lot of credit into those conference tournaments. And I think they mean less now, now than ever uh, as well. So uh, we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. But it was an exciting first weekend. And it should be at least, uh, we should have some pretty fun games moving forward here. Um, I'll say and this wasn't my original pick, but I think Michigan State. Uh, could find their way in the Final Four. I still like Gonzaga coming out uh, of the West Bracket and then uh, Alabama and Houston out of the South and Midwest Brackets as well. But if this weekend taught us anything, anything can happen, and that's why you play the games, right? You got to you gotta go out there and play them and see what happens. Uh, tournament success is always a good thing for a coach. Just ask uh, Tobin Anderson and Ed Cooley. Uh, Tobin Anderson, the fairly Dickinson head coach, he moves to Iona taking over for Rick Patino, who moves to St. John's and the Providence coach, Ed Cooley, uh, takes over at Georgetown. A, a St. John's and Georgetown have some history, but the recent history's not been good. Um, so let's let's talk about Rick Patino a little bit, Dad. obviously, um, he was the coach of Kentucky when I became a Kentucky fan and uh, he's a phenomenal coach. Now he goes to St. John's with an opportunity to get that program turned around. And if he had success at Iona, he had success in Greece after he couldn't get a job anywhere. He had success in Louisville and had success in Kentucky. I mean, he's gonna have success in St. John's, right? Yeah, I mean, he he's a
0: good basketball coach, no doubt about that. And St. John's is a place where um, you know, I think fits him fits him well. And you know, he, he should do well at that. So, um, you know, I'm a little surprised he's moved back up in the ranks, but in some ways I'm not surprised. And, um, you know, he's definitely a good basketball coach and a good recruiter.
1: Yeah. And a good cheater. Uh, I came in after the heyday of Georgetown really. Uh, but I knew about them as a kid and as I'd grown older, mainly because of Patrick Ewing Uh, But then, of course, Iverson came along as well, and they had the historic coach and Coach Thompson. They just haven't been able to get back to that point. Ed Cooley, you know, is he going to be able to get him to that point? I'm not sure that he is. He did well at Providence, but is he the answer in Georgetown? Yeah. I don't know
0: that he is. It's kind of interesting to me that all these coaches have kind of stayed in the same area here, Um, but, you know, they know the lay of the land and that makes sense. Georgetown does have a lot of history. You would think it's a place that um, you could recruit to and, you know, would turn things around. Um, I don't know that he's the answer um, there or not. We'll see. Um, Anything else with the men's tournament? No, no, I, I, I don't think so. Like I said, it's been a good tournament so far, and I think it'll be fun this weekend. Uh,
1: I don't have anything to talk about with the girls' tournament, but I'll give you the floor. Anything anything you want to discuss about the girls' tournament?
0: No, I've kept up with it just a little bit, but not a lot. There was, you know, a big upset there with Stanford getting beat and um, with Ole Miss moving up there. But otherwise... You know, Tennessee's still in it, so that's good. MTSU did get beat, and the team that beat them, um, you know, won uh, again. Colorado beat Duke, so I've kept up just a little bit with it. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, I think it's been a, a good tournament. I think they've been pleased with it. Uh, but, no, I don't have a, a lot of other information on that. <laughs>
1: Um, a lot of there's there's other postseason tournaments that go on. Uh, I cover Eastern Kentucky University sports. They went to the college basketball invitational, a 16 team tournament. Uh, they won three straight overtime games. Actually, last night was double overtime to make it to the championship game in the CBI. And they trailed by 20 in the first half tonight in the championship game. They came all the way back. They ended up losing at by three points. And uh, coming up, Judge Short actually had a shot at the end of the game to tie it, and it did not go down. Um, but I wanted to congratulate Eastern Kentucky University for their uh, great postseason run in the CBI and an uh, absolutely fun team and a blast. I uh, had Coach Hamilton on my local hour last week, and, uh, and he loves this team, has done a great job with them as well. And, uh, and so I wanted to just shout out them real quick, congratulate them on a great run. In the College Basketball Invitational. All right, Dad, we inch closer to uh, next week, Dad, will be the night before opening day in Major League Baseball. So we'll be talking baseball next week as we also climb closer to the NFL draft, NFL free agency, and to maybe even Aaron Rodgers news. We will see how it shakes down. I remind people, you can tune in Sunday night at 8 p.m. We'll do the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show. Wednesday night will be the Sports Stove podcast. And then Friday morning, even this Friday morning, we'll be dropping an audio only, the Sports Stove local hour. Uh, I actually sat down and chatted with a beach volleyball player from EKU this week, Shannon Stone, um, and had a conversation. I don't talk a lot of beach volleyball, but it was a real, a real blast uh, to chat with her about beach volleyball in Richmond, Kentucky. Not something you think a whole lot about. Uh, so, nonetheless, that'll be a great program coming out Friday morning for you as well. Dad, anything else tonight?
0: Nope, I think that'll do it. Again, we've got a lot going on and a lot coming up here in the near future. Like I said, with baseball getting ready to start, we've had one fantasy draft. We've got another one this week. And a lot of people are probably, you know, getting into fantasy baseball, and that's exciting. But like I said, basketball tournaments is, is huge and You know, the NFL never stops, and now that we're getting ready for the draft, I just keep hearing stuff all the time, so.
1: Definitely. I'm going golfing tomorrow. That'll be fun. Uh, First time this year uh, and first time since last summer, so that'll that'll be a blast. Uh, Looking forward to the weekend, though, like you said, fantasy baseball draft. Um, I've been really in the NASCAR this year, so watching that this weekend, too. Lots of stuff happening. All right, follow us on social media at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Sports Stove podcast presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.